everyone. Welcome to my show, Career Startup Leadership Podcast, a podcast to spotlight world-class Asian entrepreneurs, C-suite executives, and innovators who provide candid insights from their personal journey to inspire you. And this is your host, Priyanka Komla, on our 81st episode of Career Startup Leadership Podcast. Without further ado, I have my special guest today joining from India, Mr. Girish Soman, who's the CEO of Nisarga Biotech. Hi, Mr. Girish. Welcome to the show. Hello, good morning. Thank, Thank you for uh, inviting me. Thank you, Girish. And to our listeners, let's talk about who this amazing entrepreneur from India is. Mr. Girish Soman is the CEO, founder, and chairman of Nisarga Biotech with over 35 years of experience in the botanical extraction and agriculture industry. He's also the founder and chairman of Krushitech Private Limited, which is a leading player in organic agricultural inputs in the Indian market today. He's a proud alumni of IIT Bombay, and he's gravitated towards the field of agriculture back in the 1990s to resolve the issues of excessive usage of chemical fertilizers and pesticides faced by the farmers then. And from there, he's had a very incredible journey where I'm going to unveil some candid wisdom that he can provide to entrepreneurs and the future of healthcare as well. So super excited to learn more about your journey, Girish. Thank you so much. Thank you, Priyanka. Thank you. So Girish, let's start from your initial aspects of your career journey. So your father was a builder and a contractor, and you started as a structural engineer. From there to the CEO of one of India's top biotech companies, and now towards your incessant work in terms of finding a cure for cancer. Tell us in a nutshell about your different pivots in your journey. See, I'm a student by nature. So I've been learning all my life, right from my childhood. And I think it is always exciting to learn new things. And that is the probable reason that I always try changing my track after every five years. Even in the business, I've been learning so much every day. And I really get excited when I'm learning new things. So starting with engineering and ending up with now something for cancer cure, or, you know, uh, extracted uh, herbs uh, to be used for different healthcare applications. It's, it's, it's an exciting learning journey. That's what I believe. And that's what I really love and I'm passionate about. So I think that was the prime motivation in starting the business in a different direction and then continuing my journey. Thankfully, my partners and all my you know peers and Everybody around me, they really appreciated what we have been doing. It's been an exciting journey so far. So when you started into this into this entrepreneurial stint, you had three or other four, I should say, ideas in mind. And how did you zero in on the fact that you wanted to focus on organic extraction? See, I was in touch with a lot of farmers because of my earlier uh, occupation as a managing director of a company which was involved in designing high-pressure pipelines for sugarcane growers. And I could see the plight of these farmers when they used to get excess water for their sugarcane. Because sugarcane, when you are, you know, looking at the yields, the farmers have a misconception that if you use more water, you will get more, uh, you know, yield from the sugarcane. And when you get easy water, 
uh, with the pressure pipelines, they tend to use excess water and that really devastated the soil. In our area, there was about 10,000 hectares of black cotton soil, which was completely devastated because of excess use of water. And that actually was the driving force behind our uh, idea of starting a business where we can provide organic options to the farmers who were seriously interested in cutting the use of chemical pesticides and chemical fertilizers. Because they used to come and say, we really are seeing that this is devastating our farms, but we have no option. At that time, the government was also in India promoting chemical farming very aggressively. That was the reason why the farmers were helpless and they were using the chemicals. So we were amongst the first entrepreneurs in 1993 who gave options to the organic farmers in India who wanted to go away from chemicals and start using organic for using in their farms. And that was the reason why we zeroed in on this Sunrise industry because the other two businesses we started, we were just trying to make our living. But here we were working very passionately. We were giving back to the society when we started working for the farmers. And that really excited all of us. And we decided we were stupid young people at the time. It was 30 years old when we started the business. So everybody was feeling that we were crazy. We were knowing nothing about the farming. And how are we going to uh, provide solutions to the farmers? Now we are considered as one of the leaders in organic farming in uh, India, as well as in our state, we are the highest selling brand in our state. And we are one of the top companies in India for providing organic inputs. to the You know, that's amazing. And, and as you rightly pointed out, when you're uh, in your early stages of your career, people think that you have crazy ideas. But look at the foresight that you had about how organic extraction could be an industry that could impact the farmers in a very useful manner. So kudos to you for that wonderful idea. Tell us about the CO2 technology that you use to extract organic, uh, you know, extract from organic herbs. See, uh, one of the reasons why we adopted to extract using carbon dioxide was the uh, basic advantage of extraction of herbs at virtually room temperature. Because if you are boiling the herb, you are destroying a lot of temperature-sensitive ingredients in the herb. And you're not getting them in the extract. That is the reason why we realized that the references given in the ancient texts, the performance was herb was not matching with the performance expected. Because most of the uh, users... We are using extracts made at very high temperature. When I went to IIT Mumbai for searching better technology, IIT Mumbai is the alma mater for me. And we, I went there and when I started looking at the extraction technologies, when I saw the extracts made using supercritical CO2, I realized that these are the extracts which will really change the quality of our product. Because at the end of the day, if the farmer uses the product and if the product is not effective, he is going to lose his income. And that was the motivation for us to deliver the best possible quality 
at an affordable price by using an extraction technology, which was so far used only by German companies for extraction of hops for use in the beer flavoring. But we realized the potential of using the same technology for extracting the Ayurvedic herbs as well as herbs mentioned in Vruksha Ayurveda, the ancient treaty which states how to do organic farming. They don't know the word organic farming in these uh, Vruksha Ayurveda treaties, but they say how to use natural substances to grow the crops naturally. And that is what is organic farming is all about. I'm glad there is reference. So that is the reason why we chose the CO2 extraction technology in the first place. When we started into more detailing the technology, we realized that it is not just about the temperature of extraction. It is also the separation of the extract from the solvent, which is very critical in keeping the quality of the extract intact. Normally, when you are extracting the herb using any other solvent, the temperature of separation is always more than temperature of extraction. In the CO2 extraction, it is exactly the other way around. The temperature of extraction is 39 degrees Celsius or 45 degrees Celsius, which is much way too below the uh, you know normal temperatures in India, in many parts of India. The Separation temperature is at least 10 to 12 degrees below the extraction temperature. So when you separate the extract from the solvent, what you get is a very pure, highly concentrated extract without the change in its original structure of the chemical present in the planet. And that is really exciting. That really excited us. We explore so many of the applications we have evolved using this amazing technology. In no, that's, last that, that's very impressive where you look at, you know, the scientific ways of extraction, but also look at our ancient science for reference in terms of rich Ayurveda. You know, I see you as somebody who looks at opportunities from different perspectives and is quick to pivot and figure out what are some ways in which you can create world-class solutions to problems. How do you do that? You know, what kind of advice do you have for young entrepreneurs like, you know, who are starting in their journey? I think you need to keep your eyes and ears open. And you need to be a student all your life. Keep learning from your contemporaries. Keep learning even from your competitors. Keep learning from your customers. They are the best teachers you get. Because the customers will always give you a pointer to their requirements a pointer to what are their unmet needs. And if you are able to figure out what are the unmet needs of your customer or your consumer, or for that matter, your society, I don't think there is any dearth of opportunities for any enterprise. That is my personal view. That is what I always try to tell all our team members also, that keep your eyes open, keep your ears open, Listen to your customers. Listen to what other people are saying about your product. Don't be afraid of criticism. Take the criticism in your stride and believe in yourself. You will always deliver a good product. 
You know, that's very impressive. It's, you know, you'll have a lot of judgments and opinions from people around you, especially with a technology like what you're dealing with. And I'm so glad you have this attitude that you need to keep moving no matter what everybody else says, as long as your eyes are set on your end goal. Absolutely. So tell us about your, uh, yeah, this product, Neurolite Herbal Blend, for which you also have a co-patent. And it's been awarded two US patents and several international patents, which are under your belt. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about that. In 2003, we started, you know, looking at the possibility of using these extracts for different healthcare applications. And one of the areas which was alarming for me was in case of children, I realized that many of these psychiatrists and psychologists, they have an issue with the hyperactivity of the children. Or, uh, you know, I could see around many of my, you know, uh, friends and family, I could sense that the kids were unnecessarily being overburdened because of their overactivity. Or, and it was labeled as attention deficit disorder or they were, you know, being scolded by the teachers for being overactive. And uh, when I looked at the options provided by the modern medicine, I was shocked when people were, you know, prescribing left and right steroidal uh, you know, alternatives for attention deficit disorder, which was going to become a major issue in India as well, not just in the United States. One of my friends in the U.S. who was teaching in primary school, she said that now they are having rules in the school that if your child is diagnosed for ADHD and if he's not given medication, he's not allowed to come to the school. And that was the motivation, you know, motivational factor for developing something based on Indian Ayurvedic herb, which should give an effective and yet safe alternative for the uh, use in ADHD patients. That was that was the reason why we started exploring different formulations. And with the help of my teacher, Dr. Sri uh, Krishna Padke, we came up with a formulation and conducted a huge clinical trial on 260 patients. You on you know aging between seven years and fourteen years for you know improving the symptoms of attention deficit disorder, and we found that the product was working as good as the uh, allopathic options, like the uh, you know product called Statera, which is the first non-steroidal alternative for use in uh, ADHD. So we, based on that clinical trial, we did the clinical trial for almost two years by you know, offering medication free of cost to the children from the school, doing all ethical you know, clinical trial with all the necessary permission. And based on that, we filed a patent in India, in the US and in the Europe and we got the patent for our Neurolite blend, which is based on 
herb called Jyotishmati. Jyoti means light, Mati means brain. So the herb itself is known as something which enlightens your brain if it is used in your children or in any ADHD patients. That's very important. So we got the patent for India as well as in US and Europe. We are already marketing the product in India as NeuroSmart. In US, we are marketing the product under two different variants called NeuroFocus and NeuroSteady. That's impressive. That's impressive. Thanks for sharing that. And it's very noble when you've starting look when you've started looking at healthcare applications of your organic extracts, which uh, you know, which you've quick, quickly pivoted and found an opportunity where you can help the society and give back to them. Absolutely. One of the other thing is, you know, when I started studying Ayurveda, I realized that one of the most, uh, you know, important shortcomings for the Ayurvedic treatment has been that the extracts or herbs used for administering in the patients uh, in India, the biggest challenge was whether the extract or the herb is pure, whether it is free from other contaminants which are likely to occur because of uh, you know, bad manufacturing practices, bad collection practices. So that is the reason why we started building a network of the farmers and we started helping the farmers to get their farms certified and started using only organic material for extraction so that our extracts are free from any uh, contaminants like chemical pesticides or heavy metals as far as possible. And then we created a classic laboratory, in-house laboratory, which was approved by the Department of Science and Technology also as a research lab for making these extracts. And then we started ensuring the quality of the extracts by starting from the farm to the shelf of the consumer. We make sure that we have complete control on the chain of material as well as the process to ensure that we deliver a product which is quick acting, effective, and safe for all our users. So the farm that, is, to, that has been our focus. That's great. So the farm to shelf concept is, is, is very unique and you're looking at more sustainable practices. But tell us about some of the challenges that you face as part of your supply chain management, right from the farmers all the way to creating the product and giving it to your end consumer. See, one of the biggest challenges for the getting the raw material is training of the farmers for, you know, proper collection of the raw material and ensuring that the processing is done at the farm itself in a sustainable manner and using the available natural resources without depending too much on external factors. So that was one of the biggest challenges. We use some of the herbs which are coming from ethical wild crafting. Now, when you say ethical wild crafting, what does it mean? Actually, there is is a concept of sharing the benefit. Uh, Even today, 
almost 70 to 80 percent of the Ayurvedic herbs are not grown in the farm. They are coming from the forest area. And in those forest areas, we have to train the local people to do sustainable harvesting. What it means is, for example, in our area, we are harvesting Shatavari. Now, if you are harvesting the Shatavari root, if you harvest all the roots from a plant, there is nothing left for regrowth next year. So we started conducting, you know, uh, training programs for the collectors to understand that if they want to have a sustainable living, they should leave 25% of the material in the ground and harvest only 75% of the roots. Similarly, when you are taking out leaves from any plant, make sure that you are taking leaves only where the leaves are not useful, which are coming into shed or you can just shave it off the you know, plant without harming the plant. So these kind of trainings is one of the biggest challenges because not, not all the farmers are aware of so that was one of the biggest uh, you know challenges we were facing so we what we started doing was because of our agricultural extension network we could reach those farmers as well as ethical wild crops and we could train them in understanding why it is important to do ethical uh, collection or ethical farming so as to ensure that their farms or their business you know, I like the fact that not only your company is looking at being socially responsible, but you're imparting that knowledge to farmers who are the frontline folks who can make a difference, you know, to nature through sustainable practices. So kudos to you on that. We have a. I think we were also lucky to have very good customers like uh, Aveda in the United States, uh, who were very helpful. Uh, in uh, giving us resources for working with the local communities for improving their lives as well by giving back to the society, by giving training to their uh, you know, next generation, teaching them how to you know, ensure that water is conserved, how, how to deliver water to their homes so that the women don't have to walk for a few kilometers for bringing water to their home. So I think it was it was an exciting uh, you know journey with Aveda for you know helping the local farmers to get benefit out of the farms they were doing. That's very impressive. We have a question from one of our live listeners, Pinaki Mishra, who is asking, how is your company or how are you contributing towards this COVID? So tell us about how COVID has affected your business model and your contribution to creating a better society through this pandemic. In the first place, the COVID was a blow which was not expected by anybody. For that matter. But uh, when uh, we actually were locked down in the month of March in India, the lockdown began in 21st of March. And uh, I think it was for the first time in many years that I had an opportunity to be at home and, you know, spend time with my family and also look at what could be the contribution we can make in terms of uh, COVID. So first thing we did was we 
started looking at the data we have generated on different herbs and as you know you may not be knowing but i can tell you that we have been studying neem leaf extract with a very high amount of uh, one of the compounds called nimbolide in our extract for treatment of cancer in collaboration with one of the leading cancer research institutes in the united states called ut health center san antonio in texas i realized that covid one of the hallmarks of covid was very high inflammation in the body especially in lungs and the cytokine storm caused by the viral infection i then realized that our co2 extract which is very rich in nimbolides can really give an alternative for not for just for the treatment but it can even be used as a prophylaxis so we started doing a clinical trial which is now nearing completion in 200 frontline workers in faridabad and i am happy to tell you that the frontline data is very very promising about 67% success rate was noted while using the uh, neem leaf extract for controlling the covid infections in the frontline workers who were highly exposed to the covid virus in the hospital now we are still in the process of finally finding out the data how it is really going to figure out in terms of biochemical markers but as our you know uh commitment to the society we the first thing we did was we distributed food packets around our farms to more than 500 families who were not able to get anything from the city because of the severe lockdown since our vehicles were allowed as a agricultural produce companies vehicles we could take material to those farms and give away packets for those workers who have migrated from mumbai to these villages out of panic and they were not able to get any food at their places so we distributed like 400 packets around our farm to make sure that these guys were taken care of and then we also made sure that they were given our neem leaf capsules as prophylaxis so that they don't get infected or they don't become the uh, you know transmitters of the covid since they were coming from mumbai and most of these people they stay normally in uh, dharavi area in mumbai which is a kind of a slum where people live in a very close proximity surprisingly with you know i think they have such a good immunity that there was hardly any case of uh, you know covid in their villages in spite of being there i don't know whether it was because of the you know neem capsules they were using or because of the immunity they had a better immunity i personally feel that covid is in india now it's going to be on the uh, downhill not 
not really as severe as in the US. Why do you and think so? If you look at the infection rate, it has come down drastically in the last couple of months. And then the infections are less severe in the cases where it has been noticed. How do you think of the, the new UK strain that people are getting panicked about, especially for younger kids? I really don't know. I have not seen the data because the data which is coming is talking only about getting infections quickly. But how severe the infection is, we do not know. And as Dr. Bhargav from ICMR has recently stated, that the COVID virus, COVID-19 virus is getting mutated. There are five mutations every week. So if there are going to be 20 mutations per month, there are already 130, 140 mutations. So I don't know why people are thinking that it is more dangerous than the earlier. Uh, right. With, that's, uh, a, yeah. that's a very I, interesting way of looking at it. Because, you know, otherwise, how, how do they know that this mutation itself is severe than the earlier 140 mutations they have noticed? I don't think there is enough scientific data to you know, actually substantiate that claim. I think it's more like driving people to the vaccine rather than keeping them away from the vaccine. That could be one of the reasons. People, you know, are not, almost 60% of the uh, educated population in India is skeptical about using the COVID just like COVID vaccine, just like in the United States. So probably they wanted to make sure that the percentage changes dramatically because of the new strain. Let us see what happens. Don't very know. true, very true. So how do you see the future of Nisarga Biotech as we look into 2021? What are some of the ambitious plans you have in mind? One of the big projects we have been working, as I told you, was with the extract from the neem leaves, which is going to be one of the you know, cheapest possible options for treatment of uh, cancer patients, especially uh, in head and neck cancer, as well as in colon cancer. Of course, we are in the first phase of research. We are still not uh, very close to the phase one trial, but we have completed all the clinical data uh, preclinical data. We have completed all the preclinical toxicological studies, and now we have enough, uh, you know, safety data in humans as well because of our COVID trial. So I foresee that we will be investing heavily and looking for partners to invest in uh, making a new drug wherein we have the rights to the patent which has been done by us, as well as the UT Health Center takes us for method of use for cancer treatment. So we are looking for uh, you know, partners who might be interested in investing because Nisarga Biotech do not have the kind of uh, you know, deep pockets to invest 200, 250 million dollars till the drug is developed. But with our research, I am confident that a right company can develop this product into a drug with less than probably 50 or 100 million dollar investment.
and that will be a big big plus for the cancer patients as far as india is concerned it is not possible to patent the method of use claims for the patent we have in us so in india we have also kept the uh royalties to minimal for the ut health center which is the owner of that patent and our ambition is to give the product in india at such a reasonable price that anybody coming even from rural background should be able to afford our for the head and neck cancer and india mind you almost 65% of the cases which are diagnosed for cancer are head and neck cancer so it will cover most of the cancers and the mode of action of our neem extract is such that it will be effective for any more number of cancers it can be effective on prostate cancer it can be effective breast cancer as well and it can be used for those who are having palliative care in cancer and even if you extend the lifespan by you know one month it is a big deal in the united states so That's i believe true. that with the right partners nisarga can really uh, you know in cash on its uh, hard work for last 10 years along with utl center thanks that's very and i'm hoping that i'm hoping to start the safety trials for the product in next couple of months in, in one of the cancer hospitals in india how conducive that will be a big big project for us and right. it will be a big big uh, you know opportunity for partnering with uh, our company as well for those who are interested in investing in cancer research i wish you all the very best as you uh, you know as you pivot into this journey of curing cancer but tell me this mr girish how conducive is the the indian policies the government policies and the framework to focus on drug research and you know giving more elevation and upliftment for companies like you i think there are schemes but unfortunately in india the the kind of money available for research uh, will not help in reaching the stage of drug but the basic research can be done in india and that is what we are really doing because the government is having so many other uh, priorities in their you know day to day working there are so many issues i don't think indian government has the capability to invest the kind of money which has been invested in europe or in the us so we are looking at partners from europe or us for taking this to the well we wish indian you all the best i don't think there is any indian company except for handful companies who are doing it they are more into allopathic research and what we are trying to do is we are trying to create a kind of a drug which will have much lower side effects but which will have very effective uh, you know treatment option for those who cannot afford the cancer treatment offered by the conventional pharmacy i'm glad your focus is on more affordability and you know that's what the indian community needs as well so uh, you know the accessibility factor is very critical especially for treatments and drug usage so thank you for thinking of giving back to the society i think All it's right. part it's a part of our culture so right 
We have a fun rapid fire round for you. Are you ready for it? Sure. No problem. So we'll we'll ask you a fun question and you tell us the first thing that comes to your mind in one word. Uh, first one being who's your role model? Ratan Tata. What does happiness mean to you? Happiness is all about sharing. How do you define success? Success is in the eyes of beholder. I like that philosophy. What is one fun thing about Mr. Girish when he's not at the helm of his his biotech company, or is it looking? Is always looking for next opportunities. What is one fun thing that you do? I would say uh, evolving. So you're always in that word work mode. Yes, <laughs> evolving. So for new things always what is your native language and one word to describe yourself in that language it's uh, the the local language is called marathi and uh, i would rather describe myself as dhadasi what does it mean in english adventurist that's a perfect way to sum up mr girish soman thank you so much for being on a show and i've really enjoyed getting to know a lot about you know, the process and technology behind organic extraction and some of your major ambitious goals. So thank you. Do you have any parting thoughts to our listeners? No, I would like to thank you for inviting me on this platform. And I wish you a very happy and healthy 2021. Us, hopefully, the COVID clouds will go in next few months. We wish the same for everyone. And to our listeners, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Pinaki Mishra, for that wonderful question as well. And we'll keep our lines open as we uh, wrap up this episode. There's one free mentoring session that Mr. Girish Soman will be providing to one lucky listener of ours. So continue dropping in your questions, comments, or key takeaways, and we'll pick one lucky listener in the next couple of weeks. Until that other episode that's going to happen tomorrow, this is your host, Priyanka Komla, signing off. And one key takeaway on episode 81 Mr. Girish, with Mr. Girish Soman, the CEO of Nisarga Biotech, is face criticism and don't take it to your heart. You know, that's one important philosophy that young entrepreneurs need to know. And as a bonus, always be an adventurer, be an opportunist, opportunist looking for ways in which you can contribute to the society in a sustainable and ethical manner. So thank you again, Mr. Girish, and we wish you all the very best as you're looking at innovative ways to give back to the society and help people through the healthcare applications of organic extraction of herbs as well. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Take care. Thank you, Mr. Girish. And to our listeners, thank you so much for joining us. And we'll see you next week on Career Startup Leadership Podcast, a podcast to spotlight world-class Asian entrepreneurs, C-suite executives, and innovators who provide candid wisdom from their personal journey to inspire you. If you